Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. That's our message to every single person that we come in contact with is Jesus loves you. I mean, we should just pray and go home. That's pretty much what I'm talking about today. Um, and I pray every day. So get your Bibles out. I actually got to turn the page in my Bible to James chapter 2, verses, verse 8. Um, and we're going to be in James chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. And I have, have tried to do this. Granted, we're just now getting into chapter 2. And I did not ever want to use part 2, but we're using part 2 today. So today is true faith shows no partiality, part 2. So put that in your notes. And last week we talked about partiality. James was like, look, if you love Jesus and you your faith is in the glory of Jesus and what he is doing, there should be no room for partiality. Um, you can't have both. We talked about things that don't go together, like orange juice and toothpaste, which I pray none of you did that this morning. But th- those don't go together. If you have faith in Jesus Christ and his love for you and your love for others, there is no room for partiality at all. And that was enough, right? Kind of made sense. Okay, that makes sense. I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. We just say that. I should probably love other people. Well, James kind of ratches it up a couple of more notches in the next few verses. And so let's read that, dig in, and see how serious this is to love others um, and to not show any partiality. So James chapter 2, verses 8 through 13 says, If you really, really fulfill the royal law, According to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. We talked about the pop quiz. All right, you're doing good so far. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder... You have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And James now has not only kind of cranked things up a little bit more, he's moved this sin of partiality, this idea of of being a little more partial to people who are easy to love, might have a few extra dollars in their pocket to help you out versus someone who's poor and can't do anything for you to within the church. Last week, he gave the example of the rich man and the poor man coming into services and where are you going to seat them? How are you going to treat them? Now he's kind of taking it outside the walls of the church and outside the doors. We leave these doors in a few minutes and we go off into our world, our life. Now he's talking about our neighbors. So now this this partiality doesn't just apply to when you're here on Sundays. It's everywhere that you go, every person that we come in contact with. So he talks about the royal law of love your neighbor. And the royal law, it's a law that encapsulates everything. Any law falls under this royal law. And we could use royal because it comes from Christ, the king of kings. So there's royalty to this law. This is an important law to love your neighbor, and let's dig a little bit more from where James picks this up. So turn with me. We're going to read a few, quite a few passages. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 22, 
and then Leviticus chapter 19. Matthew 22, and then Leviticus 19. So here's this royal law. James is like, okay, that's great, no no partiality. But now how are you doing with this royal law of love your neighbor? So Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. And this is Jesus hanging out with a bunch of Pharisees, and they're going over law things, and they say, well, what what's the greatest of the law? Like, we want to make sure we're doing okay. What's the greatest? So he says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So you've probably heard me say you've seen people talk about love God and love others. Well, that's what this is off of. Um, if you want to keep your eyes focused on Christ, love him and love others. It's pretty simple, but yet it's not so simple, is it? So this is where James is, is coming from, from the words of Jesus, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. That love your neighbor actually even goes way back to Leviticus. So turn with me to Leviticus 19. This is verses 15 through 18. Leviticus 19, verses 15 to 18. Now it's only verse 18 that says, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. But doing research and and looking through this, I want to back all the way up to 15 because it hit me hard with where we are in our culture today. So Leviticus 19, starting in verse 15. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. In the righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. So yeah, we kind of already talked about the poor and the rich, didn't we? You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. This hit me hardcore because the times that we have gone through this past year have been crazy. The times over any of the years have been crazy. Um, But... I have to say, social media is wiping me out, and it frustrates me, and it, it gets me so frustrated that even within our church family, there is not this love, and it's, it's, it's enough, um, and we do it with others, and I'm tired and exhausted. I'm tired of having to say, oh, I need a break from social media. It has not become what it used to be, um, but I, I pray and I will not allow this in the church for this to be verbally said to anyone among us. Um, if you're here at church. And so that really hit me of the fact of, and I pray that there's not levels of hate, but the idea of slandering among your people. Do not stand up against the life of your neighbor. Um, we live in a culture that desperately needs to see Jesus. And they can't see Jesus if we are not showing Jesus in our life and in our words. And that's what James is all about. That's why I love this book of James. So let's dig in a little bit more. I was going to say enough of preaching, but hey, that's what you're paying me for now. 
So maybe I'll stay up here a little bit longer. But so here's this picture. So this is all the way back in Leviticus. Um, that God knew we were going to have issues with that. Um, and we're still having issues. And we're still going to have issues, whatever it looks like. Um, but we have to always have the name of Jesus in front of us and his love saturated in our life. Are we going to be perfect at it? No. We need to keep shooting for it. Um, so let's let's do that. And this royal law, I talked about it, 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 it covers all laws. Okay? Think of all the laws that we have, the, the weird ones, the annoying ones. If people love their neighbor, we wouldn't have all these laws necessarily by theory, right? And there are some weird laws out there because you know me, I Googled them. Um, in Alabama, it is illegal to drive blindfolded. Thank you, Jesus, right? My life is in danger if you're driving blindfolded. Thank you for loving your neighbor by not driving blindfolded. But if that first person hadn't drove blindfolded, there wouldn't be a law about it. Um, in Arkansas, you can't honk your horn near a sandwich shop after 9 p.m. Now, we can go into dietary restrictions. It's probably not a good idea to have a sandwich after 9 o'clock. But thank you for not annoying me with your honking of your horn while I'm enjoying my hot pastrami with French's mustard and provolone, whatever, after 9 o'clock. So I'm loving, they're loving your, their neighbor. In California, it's illegal to whistle for a lost canary before 7 a.m. Thank you, because I want to sleep in. I don't need my neighbor whistling for his lost canary. Um, right? So they're loving, so that's good. In Connecticut, a pickle must be able to bounce. I don't know if this made it to the books, right? And I should have brought pickles. I assume that a well-done, well-pickled cucumber bounces. If it doesn't bounce, it's not quite ready. So they're saving their neighbors and loving them by not giving them non-unbounceable pickles. <laughs> All right, so you're loving your neighbor. So don't, if you... Now, listen, kids, don't go home and try to test the pickles to see if they bounce. Um, in Maine, it's illegal to park in front of Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, thank you. If I'm on my donut run, I don't need the, the front of the store blocked by your vehicle. Um, in West Virginia, hats are banned in theaters. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because I want to be able to watch the movie. And if you have your baseball cap up and I can't see the movie, I don't want to have to ask you and make a big scene. So here are all these laws that are silly, and we have serious ones for sure, but if people actually love their neighbor, there wouldn't be all the laws. The incident that happened this last week tore me up, uh, the Capitol. None of that would have happened if there was a loving your neighbor mentality. And I realize our world that we live in doesn't have that. I realize that we can aspire within ourselves to do that, but that that tore me up. That would not have happened without this attitude of loving your neighbor. And I realize not everyone's a believer. I realize all of that, but we have to continue to preach that. Um, and it infuriated me that there were things of faith associated with that incident, with the raising of the cross, with the Jesus saves, no way, Jose. Uh, that is not the Christ who I have my faith in. Um, and so 
with laws, with rules, with, you know, there's, there's regular governance that happens because we don't love our neighbor. And so there has to be all these rules that are in place. So to love your neighbor, and I have it pretty easy. I love my neighbors. I live in a cul-de-sac. We've been there 16 and a half years, I think. And you know me. I get to know anyone and everyone. And so built up relationships with my neighbors. And some have come and gone. I've talked about Roland and, and all that went on with him. It was to the point that we're shoveling snow for each other. If If a spouse is gone or taking care of the needs of each other, one of my favorite things that we used to do, and the, the neighbor that organized this is gone, we used to set up on Halloween for, for trick-or-treat for the kids. They would bring out their fire pit, and we'd put it almost in the middle of the street and have all of our our bags of candy ready for the, the kids to come. There were about four or five of us, families and homes, and we'd hang out and do s'mores while the kids came up and, and got their candy. So loving your neighbor, okay, God, that's easy. I can do that. I'll love my neighbors that love me back all day. Um, I'll love all of you that love me back all day. So, you know, you know what I like? Pop-Tarts and filet mignon. Um, just kidding. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so there's an element of loving your neighbor that's easy. But James is, we're digging into where it's loving everyone. It is loving every neighbor. It is loving those who infiltrated the capital. It is loving those who we disagree with on social media. It is loving those brothers and sisters and others, people we don't even know because of Christ and because of what he's done. So love your neighbor. And it's not a matter of geography, but opportunity. Um, instead of just saying, who is my neighbor? What about to whom can I be a neighbor? What opportunities can I have? We looked at last week with the Good Samaritan. Hey, here is this picture. The priest, the religious leader, yeah, he's going to take care of this this man that was robbed, and he walks right by. Then the Levite walks right by. It's the, the Samaritan who's not a neighbor with the robber, who doesn't know this person, who has no association on any level at all with this person, but he loved this neighbor, this person that was robbed to the point of taking care of him. And so here's this picture of loving anyone who we come in contact with down the school hallways, which I know hasn't happened yet, um, at the water cooler, which for some still haven't, hasn't happened yet. What about walking into your front door? What about our family? Are we looking for ways to serve our family? looking for ways as we leave this place and we're going to the grocery store or wherever we go that we look for ways to serve others. And that is our neighbor. Turn with me to Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Luke 14, 12 through 14. And here's a picture of a banquet. And not only looking for opportunities to love your neighbor, but creating opportunities to love your neighbor. So Luke 14, verse 12 and through 14, is a parable of the great banquet. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed 
because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So here's a picture now where James continues this theme of not being partial to the lovable, the rich, but look out in a way to serve others in the name of Jesus, anyone and everyone. And I love that we do that as a church. I pray that we continue to have opportunities to not only do ministry and mission trips to the easy places, you know, when I'm working on Hawaii for a mission. How many of you would go to Hawaii for a mission trip? Yeah, see how quick those hands went up? Instead of maybe a third world country that, that you're not going to barely have a bed to sleep on. Um, so our mentality should be anyone and everyone that we want to serve in the name of Jesus. And then it really hit me. We're talking about serving others. We're talking about those who are easy to love. And I blew it years ago. Um, here's, a, here's a picture of having a feast, inviting others to come and attend, to be a part of, and that you're able to serve. I was invited to an event that I chose not to go to. Um, and it ended up causing destruction for years in my relationship. And it was with my youngest brother. Um, my youngest brother is gay. And when we first moved here, so almost 17 years ago, he and his husband were living in D.C. They had just gotten married in Iowa. And it was probably a few months in, maybe a year that we had been here. And my parents flew out. My other brother and his wife and kids flew out for the wedding reception. So they had a wedding in Iowa. It wasn't allowed in D.C. Big wedding reception. Cake, the works. And I chose not to go. And it was all judgment. It was, I'm a pastor. I'm not going to stand for this. I'm not going to have my boys exposed to this. And I I took the judgment route instead of the mercy route. Um, I love my brother. I loved him at that moment. But I allowed my religion and my my. Optics, you know, optic, you know, what it looks like. I chose that over the love of my brother. Um, so let alone neighbors, we're talking family. Um, it destroyed us for years. Um, it was a very, very long time before we mended those, that situation. And I sat there going, I really blew it. And then you look at this and I'm like, it should have been love first. It should have been mercy. Did I lose my pastor stance if I would have gone? Not at all. Would I have lost my faith or been weakened in my faith? Not at all. It wasn't about my faith. It, it's about, it is, no, it's all about my faith. It wasn't about what was going to happen to my faith, but I chose judgment and judging his choice over mercy to show up, to show love to my blood, my brother, instead of not being there. And so I blew it. And and since then, that has changed a lot in my mind and my heart of, of serving others because Christ loved them. I came across a post um, in Mr. Todd's right here, and it, it hit me to the core and really hits exactly what I want, part of what today is. Here's what the quote was. You will never look into the eyes of of someone God does not love dearly. Ever, anywhere on this planet, at any time, any color of skin, race, 
creed, country, I don't care. You will never look into the eyes of someone that God doesn't love dearly. Period. And that needs to be our attitude. It needs to be about God's love, not my, you know, oh, where do they stand politically or what's their stance on this, that, or the other. Who cares? God loves them. God loves me. I love them. Right? Basically. But are we great at it? Nah. We still have work to do, but we need to keep pushing for this. Let me read you again what I read last week. The makeup of our church family should baffle the world. The makeup of our life, our faith, should baffle the world. The world should not be able to explain how people of different races, economic and social levels, age groups can come together in love and harmony. The reason is because we are focused not on ourselves and our labels, but the glory of Jesus and his salvation. And so love your neighbor. Love your neighbor because Christ loved us first. And James, I mean, this this gets even harder, all right? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Because, again, we've talked about some rough situations, but are we willing to love everyone? So not just love your neighbor, love every neighbor. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48. Matthew 45, 43 to 48. You have heard it was said, love, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, now you ready for this? And this is coming straight from Jesus. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to get this. He makes his son, the son to rise on the evil and the good. Sends the rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So here is this picture that we're even to love our enemies. So how in the world do we do that, Pastor? Like, that's impossible. It's already rough enough to do family members who are annoying, social media friends who have already blocked and want nothing to do with. How am I supposed to love someone who actually hates me and is my enemy? But that's what Jesus is saying for us to do, to love. And James goes on to say, if you love your neighbor, you are doing well. But he hits it with verse 9. But if you show partiality... You are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So here's this picture that this is how serious this is. And that sounds a little rough. You know, well, you know, how am I supposed to not be partial all the time? So I'm sinning a lot of times. But James is like, that's not the point. The point really is about what God did for us and what Christ Jesus and his glory has done in our lives that if our tra- our faith is true and we are on this faith growth process, that our lives are changing because God is absolutely molding and making us and sometimes breaking us to be more like him. And in that process, we have no other reason but to love others. No matter who they are, no matter where they are, anytime we come across 
any precious child of God, we are to love them with the love of Jesus. And this picture of sin is, is, is real. Because is our faith really true if we're continuing or just only showing partiality? Is our faith really real if we aren't truly loving those who are unlovable? And it's difficult and it's impossible. And this, the, the two words of sin, because I, I don't want us to be frustrated with our lives that we're not doing great. There's two words for sin in this verse. It talks about that we are committing sin and then convicted by the law as transgressors. So the picture of sin, this word in the Greek for sin, simply translated as missing the mark. We've talked about that. You have a bow and arrow. You're shooting for the bullseye. You miss the mark. We fall short of what God wants for us. That's sin. Hey, we all sin. We're not making it. But in my mind, shooting a bow and arrow, we're at least we're attempting to shoot the, for the mark, right? But the word transgressor here, actually that Greek word means to refer to someone who is willingly going against God's will, willingly going against God's plan. So I would rather be attempting to hit that target than absolutely say nope, which is exactly what I did with my brother in that situation. I said, nope, I'm not going. You know, instead of maybe attempting, maybe let me just go and then see what happens. No, I, in the face of God, said no. Um, that, so there's, there's different, there's different situations that we in our mind work with. So let's continue to at least attempt uh, to love our neighbor. And verse 10 talks about whoever keeps, he, James gives the example of, we have this law, we have the law that God give, gave us, and if we break one law, we are guilty of all the law. Not, not each one individually. But but all the law. Back to the pop quiz. If you take a quiz and there's 25 questions, if you get one wrong, that's still an A, right? Unless they've changed the scale. I'm glad I'm out of school now if they have. But this the situation with God and our sin, if we live a pretty perfect life and sin just a couple of times, we have failed. And we are sinners and transgressors of the law of God. That pop quiz, you get one wrong, you have failed the whole test. And so James has set up this picture of it's not so bad to just be a little bit partial. As long as I'm not murdering or committing adultery or any of the big sins, I'm just, you know, being a little bit more partial. You know, I'd rather not deal with someone else over there. It's still a sin. And we're still all guilty in our sin. And this is where I'm glad that we have a Savior. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So now we have received mercy and grace by Jesus. And then it goes on to say, And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. So we are all in the same boat, all of us. And we talked about that. The cross has an evil, an evil... I'm, no evilness in the cross. Please back that up and cut that out of the live stream. We are all on equal ground at the cross because of our sin. There is no one righteous, not one of us. And we need to treat others as being on in the same situation. And it's only Jesus. 
It is only Jesus that we can point them to and love through them. So James says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Classic James, right? Talk the talk and walk the walk. You got to talk. If you're talking about loving Jesus, you better be loving Jesus as you're loving others. So therefore, since we have been shown mercy, then we have to show mercy to others who are in the same boat, which is everyone, all of mankind. And it's not easy, I know, but do you also realize that it wasn't easy for God to love us? If, if perfect holy God can, can only exist without sin, then once we have sinned, he wants nothing to do with us. He can't. Because once he does, he's not God. He is not holy God. So he sends Jesus as God to be our Savior and our Lord. And Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came, and we were the ugliest and the grossest and the most vile people that he should have been around. But in his love, he came to redeem us of our sins, for us to be cleansed in his blood, for us to be in a right relationship with God the Father. And I pray desperately that if you don't understand that, come talk to me. Come talk to someone about what it means to be saved and to understand the grace of God and the forgiveness of our sins and our life. Because in that picture, mercy triumphs judgment. And if you do not have Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you do not have that mercy on your life, it's impossible to give mercy to others in the name of Jesus. But with those of us who have accepted Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, the mercy, the love, the grace poured out into our life needs to do nothing else but then to overflow in all of our relationships with everyone else. And that's this picture of James. May we be faith believers, our faith in Jesus Christ, who leave this place and continue to love our neighbors. May we be a church that these doors are blown wide open to anyone and everyone to come to experience and be connected to a faith in Jesus Christ for us to build each other up and for us to continue to go out. And it's that cycle. Continue to love. And it's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. All the time. Please pray with me as we close in this time. Father, I thank you for for this time of worship that you have reminded us that we, being focused on our faith, being focused on the love that you have given us, understanding the amazing grace on our life, Father, that we don't just bathe in that, that we don't just enjoy it, that we don't just sing about it and study it and enjoy our church family that's safe and easy to love. Father, that we leave this building seeking those who are lost, looking for opportunities to even without words show the love of Jesus, who, who what is in our life, to others. Father, I pray in this, in this chaos, in this dark world, that you allow us to be your light, to shine brightly to all those who desperately need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.